Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 89, coming at you from the Meaning True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host and producer Eric Fisher. Joining me in person this week, Sean Klosterman. Highway 22 crew, how you doing, Sean? Doing good, how are you? Fantastic. Also joining us this week, from the Facebook Messenger room, Justin Dahl. Justin, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I feel like I might fit the uh, Highway 22 crew thing, team, yeah. right? Did like, you grow up on Highway 22? Like, directly on Highway 22? Uh, was your street address Highway uh, 22? My, mine wasn't, to be uh, completely well, honest that's with you. technically... <laughs> so, but I am a part of Highway 22. Yeah, kind of. I think it works. You're Jason. I'm in. His, his home I'm is in. the football field, and the football field is Highway 22. It's technically Main Street Think. yet, but... <laughs> It's technically Main Street. We're going to... Whatever, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so jam-packed episode, as always. First, got to talk about our partners. We got Monkey Knife Fight, which you've got to play the contest. Check those out. Put money in your pocket. Touchdown Dance. This weekend would have been a little bit of a tough one. Low-scoring game down in Tampa Bay. But there was money to be had there. You could have gone with two and a half. Well, no, there wasn't even... Because it was Lazard. Yeah, you went to you went to gotten it because there wasn't enough touchdowns, but always plenty of fun to play. So check it out and play responsibly. And then our other partner, we got monkey. Or excuse me, we got monkey knife fight. And then we also got Raise Energy RepSports.com code root four R O O T number four code root four get fifteen percent off any order. Also check them out in select Sam's Club stores. And other select markets as well, but repsports.com, code root four. And we start off the episode with what we always started off with. That is what we had rooted for over the last week. That is brought to you by Fanatics, over 300 plus powered stores. Fanatics, find your love of your team, show it off. This time, college football frenzy. Hashtag college football frenzy, show your love for your team. Like I will be doing on Saturday down in Madison with my Badger gear. So that is hashtag college football frenzy. And Justin, will let you leave this off. Uh, you know, Eric, I don't know that I had much to root for this week. There wasn't... Uh, We've been gone for two weeks, so you know, pick some. There wasn't <laughs> a lot of good going on around uh, these parts. I rooted for a great weekend, getaway, vacation, away from my kids, away from my in-laws, away from my parents, away from families, just me and my wife, and we had a great time, Eric. That's basically what I rooted for. Very nice. Where'd you go? Well, we went up to Door County. We stayed at the beautiful Cherry Hills Golf Course and Resort. Uh, very nice. Got a, got, a, got a round of golf in there, Eric, which is always awesome. Uh, a little ashamed of myself. Uh, my wife beat me on a hole. And my a wife hole. does not ever golf one hole. And so she smoked a good drive off of it and on a par three and put her on the green. First time she's ever done it. And then green and regulation. So I was All proud right. of her, but I was very proud of her, but uh, not, not happy with her for beating me on a hole. Well, you'll get that sometimes. A blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. No offense, Katie, but... It's true. That's yeah. a very true statement. No, I know. All right, Sean. What did you root for in the last week? You know what? I don't know if you're going to like this one. 
But I got to go Albert Pools again for hitting number 700. You know, to be honest uh, with you, I think I was actually going to go that route too. Um, yeah. You know, I tweeted out on at Biggie WDZ, tweeted out Friday night when he hit, he had the two home run game. Um, hats off to him. You know, he's a hell of a player. I love hating him. Exactly. And it's a hell of an accomplishment. What, one of three now? Bonds, Aaron, and him. Four. Babe Ruth. Oh, Babe Ruth. Yes, thank you. Um, so one of four to ever do it. And probably the, I honestly, probably the last one we're going to see. I, I totally agree with you. It's going to be the last one we ever see. So it's tough enough for guys only, to get what, the 600. Nine more now. games? Nine more games to enjoy this guy? Potentially, plus potential postseason. Yeah. But. I feel I feel like he has to come back another year. I don't think so. There's I don't he's, think he's got he's, he's got to get the proper send off. He hasn't yeah. gotten anything. Unless that's what he wants, you know. Maybe it is, but I don't know. I mean, as much as I hate the Cardinals, and I hate the Cardinals with every ounce of being, and trust me, folks, that's a lot of being. You know, it's kind of a little almost sad, the end of this era of Cardinals baseball between. Um, Wainwright and Pujols and he who shall not be named um, behind the dish and just you know it's one of those things where you know fandom aside you kind of you, you gotta recognize the uh, the accomplishments that they've all had and how great they've been but they can also go fuck themselves too so they're, they're a team you love to hate oh I love to hate them but and they've always got somebody like this Lars Newtbar guy Who's gonna be the biggest thorn in the side for the next however many years too? They've always got one. Yep. So Michaelias or whatever. Mike Michaelis. Yeah, he's one. pitching right now. Yeah, he's pitching. But that dude's gonna. And don't they have a guy that throws 105 right now? Coming yeah. Out of the bullpen? Just let's. I I kissed their ass enough. I'm. <laughs> You're done. Yeah, that's where I draw the line. All right. Uh, my route four. I'm gonna go a little bit of an untraditional route, but something that. You know, we talk about on the pod every, you know, so often, especially with our partnership, um, unofficial partnership as of right now, but I'm working on something, um, with RPW. And the world of pro wrestling has really had me captivated as of late with this White Rabbit. Justin, I'm not sure if you follow this at all, but I'm going to get you up to speed. I saw it today. I saw it today, but I have no clue what it is, so I'm excited for this. Okay, so... Sean, Sean, and I are gonna get you up to speed on this. I, I kind of know what you're talking about, but you're gonna okay. take most so of I'll it. Okay, so I'll take most of it here. So since the re- the takeover of WWE uh, by Triple H, since Vince McMahon's allegations, he resigned, and Triple H, his son Paul Levesque, is now or son-in-law, son-in-law, mm-hmm. is now head of creative, kind of right running the ship, um, all things TV and and the story writing and whatnot in WWE. Since that has happened, we have seen a lot of returns from people who had been in WWE and coming from other promotions where they after they had left, whether it be due to budget constraints like we saw with Braun Strowman, um, who is also a big Milwaukee Brewer fan, lots mm-hmm. of ties to the team. Um, so we've seen him come back as of late. We've seen guys like Johnny Gargano, who is one of the NXT guys that when Triple H was running the show there... Uh, kind of like their minor league show, if you will, uh, was around, and he's back in the main uh, swing of things now, too. So we've seen some comebacks. 
we've seen a lot of talent come in um, and just some uh, just a very fresh creative uh, storytelling and production which had gotten admittedly very stale in the last probably five ten years yeah I'd say all of that <clears throat> so with that in mind like I said Triple H is not calling the shots and the world is a buzz with this white rabbit um, it started at I believe a house show where the lights went out um, and they played the song White Rabbit. And since then, it has become a QR code in the background. It has be, been teased on social media. Um, we've seen the lights go out during an Alexa Bliss match. Uh, so there's two kind of leading candidates as to who is potentially coming back. Um, and like I said, it's been all over social media. They've had games, they've had shirts, you know, QR code videos, all that stuff. Um, as a teasing as to who is coming back in that and they've done this over the course of multiple weeks now and the two leading candidates um are the return of bray wyatt which is the most likely in my yep. book um bray wyatt also almost always has some really interesting gimmick of like a supernatural um interest just the storytelling is one of a kind yep uh, that's his, the only way. His I can... character is just one of a kind. Period. <laughs> that's the only way you can describe it. It's one of a kind. It's it's creepy, it's dark, but it's awesome when yeah. done right. It is awesome. <clears throat> I love Bray Wyatt. Are you talking now? Uh, what are you? What Bray Wyatt character are you talking? Well, that's are you talking the fiend. That's the are interesting thing. Wyatt? So, the thought that leads to Bray Wyatt and why it very likely would be him. Is it's very early um, Bray Wyatt, and even kind of the his he was known as the White Rabbit, or that was one of his kind of gimmicks. And a lot of like the videos that have come out have involved um, different promotions, like Who Killed the World, I did or you did, you did. It's Who Killed the World, you did, and that was from a promo that he had in FCW when he was kind of in the the minor leagues of WWE at the time. Um, so lots of kind of speculation leading to him. So it'd probably be OG Bray Wyatt, the Wyatt family kind of Bray Wyatt, um, is kind of the thought if it is going to be him. Mm-hmm. Now, or just to touch a little bit more on that, um, <coughs> there, did you see the other thing where they're talking with uh, when he was doing the Firefly Funhouse and he had all the characters, he had sister... We had Abigail, yeah, Sister yeah. Abigail, which Sister is Sister Abigail, move. and then he had the White Rabbit, he had the Buzzard, mm-hmm. and then he had the Pig. Yes. And that's supposed to be, it's supposed to be Braun Strowman is the Pig, um, Dexter Loomis is the Buzzard. What's Probably Alexa Bliss in there, Alexa, too. Alexa Bliss, she's been... and then she's... Karrion Cross is supposed to be the other one. Okay. That's supposed to be their stable, kind of. So where this gets interesting, so Karrion Cross also had a white rabbit gimmick. He's already back, mm-hmm. um, which is making this really interesting. And then you get the one other element, the other potential return. And this really got hot after last night's QR code is Alistair Black, a.k.a. Malachi Black, um, who came up through NXT, another one of Triple H guys, and... Went through the ranks, um, left WWE due to budget cuts, and went to AEW for a while, 
and now has since left AEW after requesting his release. You figure it's only a matter of time before he's back. Well, the reason he gets interesting, though, so last night's QR code, somebody, if you use Google Chrome, you can, you know, see the source code on different elements of the websites and whatnot. Um, much more easily than you probably can on other portions of website. And the reason he's kind of thrown in the mix now is that last night's video featured his, like the source code featured his uh, opening lines of his theme song that he had under WWE. So those are the leaders in the clubhouse and it's not necessarily mutually exclusive. Like as Sean was saying, a very well could be a stable um, or a tag team group with multiple people involved. It, you know, the the hopes are high, especially for how the writing's been as of late. Uh, and I know this is, you know, this is a sports show, this is a culture show. Um, WWE and wrestling kind of mixes both. Plus, like I said, we, you know, we do talk wrestling on this show. But yeah, it's just been captivating the last couple weeks. And just to see what the next QR code, the next video is going to be and which way it's going to point you. And majority of signs point to Bray Wyatt, but... Like I said, there's a little open door for somebody else. But I thought I thought I seen that Malachi Black couldn't wrestle for in his con in his release from AEW that he couldn't wrestle for ninety or hundred eighty days, something like that. That could be the case too. A lot of those guys have a no compete clause where it's X it was, amount of yeah, days. Yeah, it was something like that. Which would make this really a slow build, but at the same time, I I would say the counter to that, Sean, is that there's not like a huge. I mean, they have Crown Jewel coming up. But that's not until, I believe, the end of October or mid-October. So they've got some time with that. And then they've also got um, some time before, really, Survivor Series, which is the next of the the Grand Slam pay-per-views, which is mid to end November, early December, usually. So there is time if they're going to build this up and do this, you know, at a pay-per-view or lead up to a pay-per-view. Or, as we've seen with the Triple H era, it could be any given night. So just hopefully they don't screw it up. And that's... Yeah, I mean, ha- if this wasn't under the Triple H era, I would almost guarantee that they would. But but you got to think this is the first big thing that they're doing, and right, they can't screw it up. Right. So as, as bad as it as it is to say, they can't screw it up. So that's that's what it's captivated me. That's been my root for. Like I said, it's. I, I don't typically watch the weekly shows on a week-by-week basis. You know, I'll catch them if I'm doing absolutely nothing. But it has made that, and then I'll usually, like, read, like, the Bleacher Report mm-hmm. summary or whatever. But it has turned it back into kind of must-see TV, just for even for that couple minutes to see what the next QR code is going to be. And then immediately going to, to Twitter or uh, whatever um, to view the video that they have out. So that's been what I've been rooting for. Justin, any kind of thoughts on this as an outsider looking in? I hope that it's Bray Wyatt. I really, really, really want to see Bray Wyatt again. I think he is an absolute superstar. I I am from the outside. I do not know why he left. I, money. What, what is the? Yeah. It was just money. It was money. Yeah. That and his. He wanted the, more. The, Vince didn't want to pay. Well, the Vince McMahon. The Vince McMahon route of the storytelling was they kind of really ruined it and limited his character that he had with the Fiend. Um, it was very one-dimensional. It wasn't getting... I mean, it was over, but it wasn't getting over as it should have been. So he kind of wants more creative con- or creative storytelling that he wanted to have more of a role in it. Um, mm-hmm. And then his contract was what it was. I don't think his contract ran out. I think he requested his release. 
I I think he he was on the books for too much money, and right. when they had all these budget cuts, because when AEW started, they paid all these guys a lot more money than they should have. Right. To keep them around. To keep them. Yeah. To keep them around. Did nothing with them. So, hmm. that's like I said. I I, I don't. Why hasn't he jumped ship? Why hasn't he jumped ship to AEW? Well, it could be, you know, the kind of the rumor out there is that he wants too much money, which is really odd considering Tony Khan is literally printing money. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's been that. I think he's and he's worked the independent scene. The timing it also was a little, you know, it was right after um, John Silver, who had been part of the, no, John, that the right name? John Laurinaitis. No, no, no. Oh. Um, he had been with Bray Wyatt in the WWE. Um What's his name? He passed away. Oh, Harper. Yes, Harper. Harper. He's known as Harper in WWE. But his real name is Ah, uh, John Good, John Huber, John yes, Huber. John Huber. Thank you. Um, and he was he had passed away. He's known as Brody Lee. Yep. Um, and he had passed away. They were really close friends. They were in that original Wyatt family uh, stable, and so the timing he wants some time away. He just kind of. I think he had a kid at that at that right around that time too. That him very and, well could have been the case too. Him and uh, JoJo. JoJo, yep. So, which it, was a scandal too, but yeah. <laughs> but so just the timing of it was kind of just perfect storm of you know kid and and you know losing a close friend and then the money thing on top of it too, just was it it was so. That is my root for, and like I said, you, either way, I don't think you can go wrong with if it's one of those two, or if it's leading to a stable. I think both of them are incredible talents, and you know, especially with the current era that we're seeing, um, I think both would be immense, a great fits for TV and for live events, and you name it, it'll be great. So, I've been like, and see that. All so, right. with the positives come the negatives. We go from the uh, what we had rooted for to our Tyler Hero Noogie or Nuggies of the week. And Justin, I'll let you leave this one off as well. Uh, mine is going to be a little general um, in retrospect. My Noogie is for all of those Badger fans that want to be quote-unquote realistic about where this program should be. There are pundits out there that think that we should be more in line with judging ourselves against a school like Minnesota than a school like Ohio State or a Michigan. And I totally and completely and utterly disagree with that. I think when you look at the fact of where we were when we went to an Orange Bowl, a Cotton Bowl, and a Rose Bowl um, as a program, your next step in the evolution of what that program should be when you're paying a coach $5.5 million is to judge yourself against an Ohio State to go win the Big Ten Championship and not just the Big Ten West. So I'm not, I'm as a fan, not okay as a state taxpayer 
not okay with just winning the West and then going and getting our asses kicked in the Big Ten Championship. That is not what we should be judging our program on. We should be judging our program on recruiting with those guys, as Ramsey loves to say, we need to recruit at a high level to compete for national championships, and I agree. But let's win the Big Ten first. Let's recruit at a high Big Ten level. And I don't think we need to downgrade our thinking uh, to a Minnesota, who we have dwarfed over the last two decades as a program. Well, let's be Uh, real. It's the last three decades just at this point. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, actually. Since what, 92, right? Thereabouts, yeah. So you're exactly right. I'm I'm just flabbergasted that we want to take steps backwards to be realistic, quote-unquote, realistic about where we are as a program and that we can't really evolve ourselves to a bigger step than what we were before Chris is now gone. I think it's 15 and 10 or 15 and nine uh, over the last three years uh, and not made the big 10 championship game. That's not, that's not the pedestal that we need to be looking at in my point of view. I 100% agree with you. And we'll, we'll touch on this more in our Badger report here coming up in a little bit, Justin. Uh, but I am going to say just tentatively, you know, before we get to that, I'm going to say I 100% agree with you. There is no reason that we should be accepting this as Badger fans and and getting blown out 52-21 against Ohio State when two years ago, or three years ago, I should say at this point, three years ago, we were expecting to be contending with them in regular season games, and we kind of were, you know? And it's only gone downhill, and Wisconsin has gotten to a point where it's okay. Are we, are we accepting being relevant and being a top twenty-five team? And why aren't we taking that next step? We've been doing that for thirty years. So, mm-hmm. I like I said, we'll get to that in a little bit. But that is a great noogie, and I would have to agree with you in that one. Sean, your noogie, if you have one. Um, how about the Oakland Raiders with the Las whole, Vegas or the Las Vegas Raiders? Sorry, with. Derek Carr and Devontae Adams thinking they were going to come out and everything was going to be copacetic and they're the only 0-3 team in the league right now. Also a solid one. And they haven't looked good at all. No. I th- I think Devontae's realizing what he actually had. You know, just to touch and I, on... And I think we talked about this a little last week, didn't we? Yeah, just to touch on this a little bit, you know, I... I think, you know, the reasons that he ended up doing, you know, leaving, first the contract situation, which, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to fault a guy for wanting to make more money while he can and and being in a situation where he wants to be with his family and, you know, reuniting with the college teammate. I don't hate it. No. I get it. However... When you're coming out and you're, you know, the headlines are Devonte Adams frustrated about the team's health and the team's, you know, not getting him the ball, this, that, and the other thing. You really can't be pissed off when you're the one who wrote your check out or your ticket out of town. Right. And I, you can be frustrated about what's going on around you, but instead of being vocal and having it be a headline, friggin' do something about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's since the first first week, he had ten catches. I think 
last week he had one, and this this past week he had two weeks. He had two. Yeah. So he's had like what four catches? Yeah, and... four in the last two weeks. Yeah. I mean, he's had a touchdown every game, but which is great for fantasy football. Yeah, but... it's good for fantasy football, but still didn't help me this week. <laughs> so that's a great noogie as well. So are you doing specifically the the Raiders or are you doing Devontae Adams? I just wanna. Uh, we can just go Devontae. All right. That's kind of that's kind of what brought the whole thing up. All right. So my noogie. It's gonna be one of our listeners. Oh. And actually, it's gonna tie in. The the actual noogie here is gonna come at the Chicago Bears. Um, and fantasy football as a whole. It's not Tyson. I, I wish it was, but <laughs> damn it. Um. Every it, noogie should go to Tyson. I don't entirely disagree. You know, Tyson, I love you, buddy. I'm glad you're such an avid supporter of the show. I, I don't disagree, but I don't agree with Great Justin guy. either. Great guy. Great human being. Just I, I, Great I, human being. I, I'd say he probably... I'm I'm sure we all do. He probably deserves a noogie a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> first and foremost, I'm going to blame... I'm going to give my noogie to fantasy football. Again? Yeah. And this week... You know, I actually went 2-1. and one. I had a very good week, and I won my games that I did win very handedly. However, the one that we all pay attention to is the our Root for Wisconsin League. The one that got away <laughs> was the Root for Wisconsin League, and I was uh, facing one of, another, one of our loyal listeners, Zach Ledubik. Zach, I want you to know you are one lucky son of a bitch. Here's why. So first, Justin, this man has the audacity to change his team name to the Jinx is Real for playing me this week. Yes! Which, I love it! Which, that is so great! Which we can kind of confidently say at this point, especially regarding Jill football, is not the case. Uh, no. We'll see on it's Friday. You How, jinxed us. You need to break the jinx. So you need to do something... To change the jinx. So. Every hey. game you've been to, you've worn shorts. You're not wearing shorts at the game. All right. Well, we'll, we'll go with that. Probably a little too chilly for that and anyway. a sweater. Okay. We'll, we'll make that happen. So. Or something. Yeah. We'll decide. We'll work on that. We'll work on that between now and Friday. But anyway. So. We go into Thursday Night Football last week, Justin. And he changes his team name. I'm thinking, you son of a bitch. It's on. Yes. Thursday night football happens. I have Amari Cooper on my lineup on my in my flex. 23.8 points. Life is great. Big game for Amari Cooper. He has David Njoku, who also had a big game. But guess where David Njoku is? On his bench. So I'm thinking, okay, mother brother. The jinx might come back on you. Then Sunday happens, Justin. And the Chicago Bears decide just to take me to the barnyard, take me to the woodshed, and just kill any hope I had. Because I had David Montgomery in my starting lineup, and I'm pretty sure he got hurt in either the first or second drive of that game. Had 1.1 points. Only for his backup... Khalil Herbert to have 34 fucking points. And that would have gotten me a huge win in the Roofer Wisconsin League. Instead, 
here I am at at 0-3, just like the Las Vegas Raiders, and I missed out on a win by what? I think I lost by what? 11, 12, something like 12. that? Yep, you lost by 12. Yeah. So, Chicago Bears and fantasy football, and also, I mean, Ledubic, you got the best of me on this one. You got lucky, is what happened. And you are the only one that's 0-3 oh! in the league? Yeah. He got lucky. He he tried to hit that jinx, and he, he capitalized. I'll give him that. Fancy football gods weren't looking out, but it it wasn't Rush looking good for him. I was ready to bury him, especially after Thursday night. I was expected to be like a 30-point favorite in the weekend, and then David Montgomery goes and ruins his leg or whatever he did. I don't even know what he did. I just know he got hurt. So, and Tyreek Hill only having like two points, and... And the freaking while we're out of here, you might as well. I'm gonna give a noogie <laughs> to the freaking Dolphins for the butt punt, or or yeah, that was pretty or Jimmy G for running out of the end zone. Yeah, him and Orlovsky. So just a really comical week of football, but also just enough to piss me off. So that is my noogies of the week. Huh? Who's in the? How did you pick these leagues? Like who's in the East and who's I in the West? I had think it's based on draft order. I have no idea. I didn't pick that. I think it's based. If most, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure most leagues are based on like evens draft and going to one division, odds going to another one. I'm pretty certain in that, but I'm not a hundred percent. So I don't want to be quoted on that. But I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, Secretary Shauna really has like she's got like the Big Ten West of the league. <laughs> our our side of the the Big Ten here is stacked. No, I agree. And when you got me being the Rutgers of almost every year, right now, yeah, bullshit. Pretty bad. Anyway. So we go from our start of our show here. Next segment, as always, one of my favorites is the What's Weird Wisconsin or Weird Wisconsin Web Story, whatever you want to do. It's the WWW story. And this week we are going to focus on one Lance Leopold. This story actually coming from Justin, so courtesy to Justin, mostly because I couldn't find another one that was actually kind of funny. Um, but we're going to go with Lance Leopold. Former UW Whitewater football coach Lance Leopold's stock continues to rise as he finds success at the University of Kansas. This is coming courtesy of the Janesville Gazette or the Gazette Extra from Janesville. Um, the hottest name in college football coaching just happens to be a Beloit Skycarp season ticket holder. His name is Lance Leopold, the Jefferson native, former UW Whitewater quarterback, University of Wisconsin graduate assistant, and UW Whitewater head coach who led the Warhawks to six. NCAA Division Three championships from 2006 to 2014 is gaining national prominence with the 4-0 Kansas Jayhawks. I'm not going to go through the whole story here, but basically kind of saying, you know, just the job that he's done. He went to Buffalo and turned them, them into a contender in the MAC, took them to bowl games, went to a Power 5 school, granted a bottom-tier bottom, bottom, mm-hmm. Power 5 school for football, Um, He went to a basketball school. He went to a basketball school, who ironically also played a basketball opponent this last week against Duke. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, College Game Day was making jokes about how uh, 
it was going to be Duke at the buzzer, Kansas at the buzzer with like a three or whatever. Um, but yeah, now and now, uh, College Game Day coming to Lawrence, Kansas to watch the Jayhawks host Iowa State this coming week. Um, and just, you know, continues the hot coaching and. Again, Wisconsin ties all over the place. So, and of course, we have to mention the Beloit Sky Carp. So he's a Beloit Sky <laughs> Carp uh, season ticket holder, and one of the hottest names in college football. Which also leads us to our Badger segment, Justin. Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> so exciting. It, it is. There's really not a hell of a lot to talk about. It was. It was over before it started. The whole game, there are so many Badger fans that are fed up with how this has gone over the last three years. And this pertains to um, what my noogie of the week was. Like, when is enough going to be enough? Um, we, we are paying $5.5 million for a head coach, which... Uh, to be realistic with you guys is about middle of the road uh, in the Big Ten. It's not – I mean, Mel Tucker had one great year at Michigan State, and he's getting $9.5 Uh On the flip side of perspective, uh, Wisconsin pays $10.4 million for their whole coaching staff. So in thinking of that, that's where you're talking about next step. And is Wisconsin, as a school, ready to invest in a situation such as coaching salaries to keep coaches here instead of elevating a strength coach to your now defensive line coach or finding... um, a retread of a running backs coach and just giving him a job Uh, or this Chris Herring that somehow gets to stay on the coaching staff, but is diving between special teams coordinator and tight ends uh, coach, both of which positions have dropped off dramatically. Um, and when do you start taking these things and holding the head coach accountable um, for A, um, not finding the right players maybe that fit the right system, um, having so much coach turnover um, within the last three years, getting pecked off, blindsided by um, an in-conference rival in Michigan State that stole your whole recruiting staff uh, and your wide receivers coach, um, which quite frankly, in my estimation, has killed this program. Um, Also losing John Settle, the running backs coach, to Kentucky uh, because you didn't want to pay him. Uh, You couldn't match the offer that Kentucky made. But in the same right, all of these Big Ten schools are almost making $100 million a year. It's 
insane to me that we aren't investing more into our coaching salaries to keep the best coaches here and we're losing coaches all over the place. Uh, and he can't replace them fast enough. And he's not making, quite frankly, he's really not making correct decisions in filling those spots because it takes forever uh, for him to find the right guy for the right amount of money. Um, it's just it's just one of those things. And when those things come to to fruition, that's when you're going to realize that you can compete with an Ohio State. It's it's when you when you realize that you were there, but you didn't invest in time. And when are you going to invest in time to keep up with the NIL, with the transfer portal, with a recruiting staff that's going to be in and out of of every segment of recruiting, uh, just besides the two things that I just mentioned. Um, the university has to step up or they need to find a coach that is going to force them to step up. Yeah, absolutely, Justin. And, and you know, I, I told you I wanted to touch back on this um, when you were doing your noogie. And, you know, I know that really that the Badgers have not, you know, their records against some of these top-tier programs. You know, I saw this. I think Jim Patricus tweeted this out the other day um, about the records that they actually had, like even under Barry Alvarez against, uh, like, Michigan and and there's always been one school that they struggle with in their time as being a head coach. And and I was shocked to learn. And granted, I guess I really shouldn't be that shocked looking back. But the last time that the Badgers beat Ohio State was under Brett Bielema. Which seems so wrong. But at the same time, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, I think the big thing, and I, and I don't know... I like I I know what the fix is, or, or at least where to start with the fix. But I don't know what the 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 proper channels of how to fix it, because and and we say this again. You know, we say this about the Packers. We kind of say this about the Brewers, and and we can definitely say this about Wisconsin football. Is because of the history of how bad the programs have been. Up until the last, well, for the Packers and Badgers, we can say since the 90s or early 90s, but the Brewers, we can say the last even 15 years. But in the last two decades, just kind of find an average for how bad these teams have been up until this time frame. You have to realize that it is unacceptable to just be content with being relevant. And I don't know if that's a coach gets gets you know fired up at the the academic staff if it's you know I know Madison doesn't want to lower their academic standards and they necessarily shouldn't have to, but that's a big element to it. It's also an element where, like you said, Justin, you have coaching staff going out the door faster than you can bring anybody in. It has players who, you know are very talented and you have you can have system guys who are going to develop over the course of four or five years 
But you also need guys who they can develop behind in that fourth year who are probably you have to count on are probably going to leave early. You know, mm-hmm. we we haven't had that side of it other than Jonathan Taylor. You know, so there's so many warts that are on this program, specifically the football team. You know, you can look at the bad, the basketball team and and say what you will. And they're winning national championships in volleyball. They're winning national championships in women's hockey. They're contending for national championships in men's hockey. So you can you can point to all these. You know, they have very successful program all the way around in just about every damn thing they do. Their perennial softball NCAA tournament team. You know, there's there's a very long line of success in everything that Wisconsin has touched in the last 30 years. But at some point, you have to draw the line. And the, we've seen the hockey program be more content, the men's hockey program be more content, um, or excuse me, not be content, and be more aggressive in changing coaches when something's not working in an NCAA tournament appearance isn't the standard there. We've seen a lot of turnover in that coaching department because they want to win national championships. We don't have that same mentality with this football program. And you cannot be, you know, Wisconsin, from where they were, like you said, Justin, earlier, even five years ago, 2016, or 2017 at this point, but even at that, the 2016-2017 time, when you're going to Rose Bowls, you're going to Cotton Bowls and, and the Orange Bowl, you cannot be content being a 19-point dog to Ohio State and then having Ohio State cover that 19 points. You cannot be content with that. You're losing by, what, they lost by 31 on Saturday night? Cover in the first quarter. They covered it in the first quarter for Christ's sake. And they, the game wasn't close. I mean, you watched, I watched the first, like the first half of that game. I was at dinner, uh, but I was watching in the bars. We were waiting for, you know, a table to open up. And that drive started very promisingly. You know, the kickoff and Ohio State botches the kickoff. Wisconsin almost recovers and gets them pinned down. And then they just march down the field. And it's just so easy. And that's all facets. Like, Wisconsin actually got dominated in every facet of the game. Usually you can at least point to, at least in the last couple of years, okay, yeah, they'll cover the, the 17, 19, whatever. But it's usually pretty close in the first, whatever, because the defense has been so good. And the special teams has been enough to, you know, punt them downfield and pin them back and make them at least earn the points. And I can't say that this week. I can't say that about this year's team right now. And, yes, that, that you know, after this week, that Washington State loss looks a little bit better. Yes, they lose to, to Oregon, but they ran with Oregon, who's the 15th team in the country. You know, they took them to the wire. So that loss looks a little bit better, but it, it's just unacceptable. Even Oregon doesn't is isn't Oregon right now. Like they're in transition, and it, it's shocking to me that Oregon keeps losing head coaches. Right? Absolutely. With the with the big money, but here is the stat. Uh, before I let Sean kind of go out of here, here is the stat that's gonna you know just drive you crazy. And what you're talking about is the highest state of Wisconsin employee. He's the highest paid state of Wisconsin employee. And in his last 10, he's one in nine against the top 20. I wish you went to told me that, Justin. That pissed me. That one win, though, I was at. That Iowa game last year. That was awesome. 
But yeah, no, that's unacceptable. One in nine. That's that's absolutely unacceptable. So, and that's what I mean by my noogie. Like, so we're okay with beating up the West, with beating up a downtrod Nebraska team, a, a, a shitty Illinois, Purdue, uh, and, and sometimes Northwestern in in Minnesota. That's who we're going to compare ourselves to. Absolutely not. That is not who we are. That is not the program that was built from Barry to Bilama, even through Anderson, who made it to the Big Ten Championship when he was changing our offense and we shot him straight out of town to now where Paul Christ has been. He, he You take away the stuff of what was before uh, three, four years ago. It's been pretty ugly around here for the last three years, guys. Yeah, no, no disagreement, mm-hmm. Justin. And really, you know, we kind of had the standard of of getting to the Big Ten championship game. That hasn't even happened since 2019, I believe. And right. they got blown out in that game. They haven't won a Big Ten championship since 2012 season, 2013 season. If I'm not mistaken, Bielema, right? Uh, no, it was it was the uh, the team that Alvarez took over from Gary Anderson. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they had won a Big Ten championship, but um, when they beat Nebraska, when they kicked okay. Nebraska's ass with uh, Monte Ball, James White, and Melvin Gordon running all over them, which James White just ended his NFL career, retired. Mm-hmm. So that's how long ago that was. Yeah, I guess I got a question for you guys here now. Um, where do you if just say you fire um, Paul Christ, do you go with Jim Leonard or do you go with somebody outside there's, of the program? There's two names and two names only that I'm looking at right now, and you said one of them, and we talked about the other one. It's Jim Leonard or Lance Leipold. No ifs, ands, or buts. That is a must get for one of those two. Hmm. You think so? You don't think you have a wider net? You don't think you could get better than that? I look at if if we're gonna be honest with and you know I think Lance Leipold very well could lead. We've seen what he's doing with Kansas. Kansas is a dog shit football program, and granted they haven't really. I mean they're they're four and zero in a very crappy Big 12 and they just started their conference season. They haven't even started their conference season, I should say. So I guess the standard isn't really there to compare to. But he's turned Kansas into a decent program. He won with Buffalo and turned them into a perennial bowl uh, contender. And I believe he won two or three bowl games with them, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look that up, statistically speaking. But had a very good career or not career, but time in uh, with the Buffalo uh, Bison, or no Buffalo Bulls. Buffalo, yeah, Bulls. Buffalo Bulls. I knew it was something stupid. Yeah. I knew it wasn't the Bills, but you know, the Buffalo Bulls. <laughs> and he even had a very you know obviously we know about what he did with Whitewater. So from that element, I think he has the Wisconsin ties, and I think he would be a great influence with the Badgers 
and to take them to that next step because you see what he does with these programs that are way smaller tier in crappier conferences and he turns them into contender well not national championship contenders but he turns them into legitimate contending teams for their above their expectation I think we'd have high enough expectations and I think he'd be the easy get Uh, Jim Leonard Jim Leonard's a tough one I, you know, I don't know what the gauge on him is. We saw, you know, he was potentially as a NFL defensive coordinator. Does he want to do that? He's been interviewed. He's been, you know, he's kind of tagged as the heir apparent. If Chris gets fired or leaves, I think for the sake, I think he'd be a good get for the program. I think we know how intense that defense has been up until this year, really. And we know the kind of fiery guy that he is. And leader that he is, I think he'd be a great step up in that capacity. So, and I think that's also, I think they're both very realistic gets too. I think that's another element of this. But I think those, maybe that's not the only search you do, but I think those are the first two names on your piece of paper when you're, if you're starting to look for that. That's the least throughout that I would go. What do you, what, do you, what say you, Justin? Well, I think, I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, the one thing that you know kind of throws you off and, and scares you is how good of a recruiter is Jim Leonard? Can anybody definitively say that Jim Leonard is a superior recruiter? Um, he is a superior scout of talent. Um, I don't know. Do, could you, either one of you guys, say that today? I that's why that I agree with you. I'm 100% agreeing with you. That's why I think you know that's the scary thing about Jim Leonard, right? And that's the, the scary guy is thing. Savvy, he's smart, he's X's and O's. Jim Leonard has to come with a low uh, salary with a high um, coaching salary pool of great recruiters in my book. And the, and I and would, I'm sold. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think in the sense that Jim Leonard is tough because you don't want to see him walk out the door, right? Like, you can't let him go without giving. I don't, you know, if you're going to have that opening, I don't think you can let him go out the door without giving him the shot, right? But also, he's built his name on beating up on the Big Ten West. That's true as well. Um, I mean, I think to Jim Leonard's credit, he has been. He's also one and nine against the last, the top, the last, uh, in the last 10 against the top 20. That is also true. No, but I, I would counter that, Justin, with the same conversation we have about the Packers just in Aaron Rodgers' career, just flip side. As a defensive coordinator, he's not calling the offense. And scoring point, it's kind of the opposite with the Packers. You know, historically speaking, you know, we talk about Aaron Rodgers isn't out there playing defense when uh, they're giving up 40 points multiple times in his career, whereas other players opponents that like you know tom brady has never had a 40 plus point game or 45 plus point game or the 40, i think it was 43 right so he's never had that in his career where rogers had that 10 games into his career um so we you can kind of look at the flip side of that as how many times has the badgers offense not been there for him you know where if they give up two touchdowns three touchdowns in a game which is i mean it's very realistic especially when you're playing you know ohio state michigan um, yep. Whatever. How many times does that kind of come around on him on the flip side of it where they'll hold the team, you know, almost what happened to the Packers. You know, your defense right. is on it's the field great. the whole damn game. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a great counter. I, I understand full, wholeheartedly what the counter is. Um, but but it is what it is, right? I mean, he's the record stands for itself. Can we win the big games? And if we're going to fire a coach uh, for not winning big games, we're going to just automatically hire a coach that's been a part of that same all staff. of those big games. That's fair. And you that's... That's the appeal of a Lance Leopold, especially because I can think we can confidently say he recruits very well. We've mm-hmm. seen him do it in every stop. Um, I guess the only, the but only thing is I Lance think, Leopold a next step kind of feeling higher. Is he the ne- Is he the guy that's going to make you feel like, oh yeah? I think us here in Statewood. I think those who know Lance Leopold would feel that. I don't think that's the splash. That's not that splash that, you know, is going to make game day, you know, ESPN when it comes across the ticker on the the bottom of the screen where they're sitting here thinking, oh, yep, Wisconsin just upgraded. Yeah. So is it the splash? Maybe not. But I think it is that, you know, in-house and and in-state, I would 100%. I would say fairly confidently I would feel a lot better about this Badger program. With Leopold at the helm, than I would than I do Chris currently. Uh, I would I would agree with that, but I'm going to give you two out of the box crazy names. Nick Saban. That, no I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, that are, you know, like one might be a ten percent chance, and the other might be a one and a half percent chance. All the right. First one. That is a one and a half percent chance is Urban Meyer. I think Urban would be intrigued because it's an easy division. You know, PJ Fleck is going to leave soon uh, for one of these premier jobs. Minnesota is not always going to. I mean, once PJ PJ Fleck leaves, uh, all these semi-big recruits that he's getting – they're gonna fly the coop. Sure. Um, I, it, it's a completely obtainable and controllable Big West or Big Ten West for the foreseeable future. You add two UCA, you you add two LA schools to the Big Ten. You you can command a bigger. You have the cachet, the name to command uh, a bigger coaching pool salary. A big, a bigger-ish salary. Not that he really needs it. Um, Wisconsin should be considered the power already uh, amongst the West. So, to me, that would be okay. Would be a great dynamite hire, even for the five years that you're going to get him, and he's probably going to end up leaving you in. Um, some kind of scandal, fiasco. disarray, and everything <laughs> yeah. else. In in knowing that that's going to happen, but if it comes with a Big Ten championship and a college football playoff appearance, you have jumped a level, right? If and now that uh, that's going to twelve teams, uh, you can you can kind of the the college football playoff going to twelve teams, you can kind of um, shoot higher for the moon, right? Um, and the other crazy name... Hold on. I just Before I would... before you get into that other name, Justin, I'm going to tell you 
the the only not the only reason there's probably a billion reasons why he won't but the reason that it for sure won't happen and it's it's a very simple reason is the academic standard to get into wisconsin they will not lower for the guys that he would want to recruit and it won't matter he won't take that deal knowing the academic standard i don't i don't know that i would agree with that i don't know that i would agree with that i i mean Wisconsin has 24 or five star guys on their roster right now. It's, it's not like these guys, these guys are coming out of high school as dummies. I mean, they've got to get what a 3.0 to get into Wisconsin. That's that. I, guys, I agree. Half of these guys have their own tutors that are doing, you know, in high school, they're doing their homework for them already. That's I mean, fair. I'm just saying, like, that's, that's I feel like, a big deterrent for him potentially being here. But uh, anyway. It's probably the fiasco. It's probably the fiasco where he's doctoring transcripts so he can get these guys into <laughs> UW. You know what? Fuck it. You're, good point. <laughs> good point. All right. Yeah. So number two. Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator for Alabama. He's looking to get there. He's He's turned around. Uh, the Penn State program in which uh, James Franklin has kind of taken to a different level, but he turned that around. NFL coach comes with name cachet, uh, has rebuilt himself under Nick Saban. Um, just one of those guys, uh, the Big Ten West, again, it, could he see himself uh, winning the Big Ten West over and over and over and over again and re- really creating a legacy? I think he's a longer, longer-term guy. I'm not too sure that he has NFL aspirations amongst him anymore. Uh, and so maybe Wisconsin is a, a fit there. Um, and he can really build a legacy for himself. And what was the percentage of him? You, I know you said one and a half with uh, Urban Meyer. What, what would you shoot his percentage at? I would say 10, 10%. All right. I will not rule that out I don't hate your logic with either one of them Um, I would definitely agree with you that they are very 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 long shots the other one Wisconsin alum Sean Lewis Kent State head coach that's out of the box primarily because he is uh, from the Dino Babbers uh, Babers um, coaching tree, which is air raid and sling the ball all around. What would you say about your uh, your dude from Washington State? I would love. I mean, I would love for him to come um, to Wisconsin. I think if that offer came, uh, obviously I have no inside information on that, but. Um, if that offer were to come, that would be an incredibly, incredibly hard thing to turn around or turn turn down for him. Would you be comfortable with it? You know, the same questions you ask of Lance Leipold, the same questions you ask of Jim Leonard, that would he be the splash pick? Would he? Would you feel more confident with him recruiting, et cetera? How would you feel about answering those questions with him? Uh, I would tell you he hasn't done it long enough. I, I, I think those questions are the same. Like, um, 
he hasn't gone through a whole recruiting cycle as the head coach. He hasn't coached a full season as the head coach. Um, he just finally um, pulled in his own head coaching or his own coaching staff. So um, there are there are a ton of questions that, uh, quite frankly, I don't know that he is really quite ready for um, to take over a, a Power 5 program um, at the level of what Wisconsin is. Um, it, it can't be understated, you know. Uh, Washington State beating Wisconsin is is great um, for um, college sports, but it's still 100% a upset and and Washington State pulled one off so um, that can't be understated all right I'm gonna throw one more name just want to see Sean's got one name I've got one more name Um, you could throw 45 names at me and I would love it Daryl Bevel no that's the one that's the (laughs) one (laughs) that's where we're drawing the line All right. Okay, I got this. I got this. I got the splash higher. This is a guy that you probably won't even expect. What do you got, buddy? Prime time. Would you go Deion Sanders for your recruiting? Just what he's done. And I know it, it, this is a way far out. There is zero chance. I know there's zero <laughs> chance because there's no way he'd come up here, but. It's just um, he's at, I, I think it would be a great hire and I think I think he is absolutely um, going to get hired. I think he's going to be the next head coach at Georgia Tech to be I, I agree with you. you. He's going to get something um, something along those lines, but I'm he's I'm thinking going to get uh, Georgia Tech or Arizona State, but that type of take is um, that that's a that's a great take. I I, I would love uh, prime time um, because what he's done down at Jackson State is exactly what Jim Leonard would need to do at um, Wisconsin if he were hired. Um, he has covered himself with great coaches and great recruiters and, and has taken a small share of the coaching pool salary and, and has dispersed the rest of what he has gotten amongst the the amount of coaches he can put under his uh, umbrella. I, ju- I just, for some reason, that name popped into my head, and I think that would be the splash that would rejuvenate everything yeah. in Wisconsin football. I don't think you're wrong about it. I just think that that's even less likely than Urban Meyer. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I totally agree. But if you can somehow convince him, I think he could get the recruits that you would want and just be able to yeah. turn this whole thing around. Here's a blank check. Yeah, exactly. Well, the, the Daryl Bevel thing is not the Eric, the Daryl Bevel thing is not, um, that that's a high, that's a way higher percentage than, uh, Bill O'Brien or, and he would definitely be a candidate that would probably get interviewed, um, for the position. Um, but you're talking about a guy who has zero head coaching experience outside of, uh, I think maybe he was the interim coach for uh, the Lions when they fired 
Uh, I think it was actually was, Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, was it Jim Bob? Yeah. But he also is the assistant head coach for the Jaguars right now. Which, which it's still okay. it's you know it is what it is. I'm just just right. a name that but you know also, because he's if, never recruited. He's never you know he's never. Um, I don't think he's been a college coach. He he might have been an assistant college coach, but right. Um, you you don't know how, he he doesn't know how to put a recruiting staff together. Th- those are a whole bunch of things that screams Herm Edwards to me. That's um, fair too. Which, right? See, I think we've all. Aside from, I think the hardest part with Wisconsin, and I think maybe this is something we need to break, is that, you know, we look for guys with Wisconsin ties right now, right? Because we want a guy who's going to want to stay here and have this be, you know, we we basically want to avoid Brad Bielema 2.0. We want to avoid even Gary Anderson leaving after two, three years, whatever. So I think we've gotten so sullied from that. Because we want guys with Wisconsin ties. We want a guy who, like a Jim Leonard, who's going to be very comfortable being where he is. Same reason they went and got Paul Christ from Pittsburgh. Or from yeah. Pitt. Um, when they had that vacancy after Anderson had left. So, I think you're kind of... I think that's why these splash picks would be nice. But I think that's why we have to entertain the notion of, you know, like a Leopold or Jim Leonard or even Bevel for that matter... As much as I do agree with you, I think, you know, you, I think, I, and to be honest with you, I think the, the route is to kind of break away from that tradition. Unless you can get that guy who captures both. And I think maybe Leopold would be that guy. Leopold, Luke Fickle. Um, if you could possibly try and sway Luke Fickle out of there, um, some of, some of the, um, smaller tiered, power five teams like make a power play like do something that's gonna could you lure dan mullen um who just got fired from florida could could he come um some of the 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 lower tier power five matt campbell you know some of those guys that are ready to make the jump could you do that um but ultimately We've got to be real about the situation. You're not going to fire a coach that's 69 and 24 or 64 and 28, whatever. Those are somewhere in those realm of numbers as a head coach who's winning um, 60 to 60, high 60s to low 70s uh, percentages of of his games and, and beating up on the West. And, and, and the school is not going to take a realist, realistic look where they are as a program and where the trend of the program is um, because if it's not blatantly obvious the, that arrow is pointing down and the ultimate tragedy of Wisconsin football is like I said to start my ranting and raving and, and I'm sure you've said it and I know we've talked about it they're stuck accepting being relevant as opposed to being a championship yep. contender uh, and that that's that's a hundred percent correct. So sad. It, it really is, but again, it's where we are. So anyway, switching gears here. Uh, we'll take a quick look. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers losing tonight. They are a game and a half out of the wild card. Uh, the Cardinals, their opponent tonight, would clinch the Central. 
with a win tonight or the next, you know, if they Brewers somehow would get a sweep here, which is not looking great right now because Adrian Hauser sucks and he got hurt mm-hmm. again, and they're down four nothing as we record. But if they somehow do make a comeback here and they would sweep the Cardinals out of this, the next Brewers loss would also give, or the Cardinals win would give the uh, Central to the Cardinals, which is what it is. Um, you know, it sucks, but at the same time. Uh, Brewers very much in contention for that wild card spot. You know, kind of the best time of year for scoreboard watching. Uh, Cubs are up on the Phillies right now, who have that one and a half game lead. And the Dodgers and the Padres have not started yet. Um, but you got to hope that the Dodgers take care of business there, too. So, doors open. Brewers, after this set against the Cardinals, do have probably the knock on wood easier schedule. Um,. I'm not going to say a damn thing other than that <laughs> for reasons that have yet to be uh, or that have been very clearly stated apparently on this show. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, that Because is... you'll never hear the end of it if you do say something. <laughs> yep. But that is the Milwaukee Brewers and where they're at and kind of one of, the, one of the better times where you're sitting here watching playoff caliber, playoff timing baseball and Seeing what can happen. So that is the Brewers, and with that, we're going through the Green Bay Packers. Who Do we got any, anything for, from the Bucks lately, or we got nothing? They re-signed Jordan Arawa. Well, that's that's all we got. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Nice job, Sean. Getting, <laughs> covering all the bases. Um, Badger basketball and Phoenix basketball and Panther basketball, if you give a shit about them. Marquette basketball is starting up here soon. Not really a whole lot to talk about right now, but... Actually, I believe they began practice within the last day or so, or unofficial workouts, something like that. Um, but plenty to get to there at a later episode. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Green Bay Packers get a win, albeit very ugly, but a win nevertheless over Ramsey's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for probably the first time in that I can remember in a long time, the defense was far and away what kept the offense afloat and kept the team in the game. So, I guess, good enough to see. Uh, I want to get your guys' immediate kind of first reactions from the win the other night, or the other day, starting with Sean. Well, I, I totally agree with you. It was a very, very, I shouldn't say hard fought, but it was a sloppy win. Do I want to... Yeah, it was ugly. It was sloppy, ugly win. Really thought they should have played a little bit better. I mean, the game should have probably been 21-12. Easily. Easily, if Aaron Jones doesn't get destroyed by Vita Vea. Yeah, it took a massive hit. Yeah, it was a massive hit. Huge. And... The offense going away in the second half? Yeah. The off- the offense was gone in the second half. They didn't run the ball, they didn't throw the ball. They couldn't they couldn't do anything. I just I don't know. The defense played phenomenal. Even with Jair hurt with well Jair getting hurt, I should say. The defense played phenomenal. Forcing turnovers, everything. Justin immediate takeaways? First, first uh, impression. Um, to me, when I'm watching the game, guys, I, I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, 
did Devontae Adams really mean that much to the whole offense to make it not look so bland? So one-dimensional, however you want to say it. And then I reverse my thought, and I think to myself, wait a second. When we went through the last two or three drafts, what have I been telling you guys um, over and over and over and over again? What are we building ourselves into? Where are we going with this? We are building ourselves into a run-power, run-heavy team um, where LaFleur came from with a certain guy that was running the ball for the Tennessee Titans at the time. Um, a team that's going to have to do it in cold weather when it comes down to playoff time. And I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, here, th- this is what it is. This is what we are. We have built ourselves. We have morphed our way into um, and it's coming to fruition. Um, we are going to play great defense. Uh, we are going to control the clock. We are going to control the type of game this is going to be um, and, and, and that's what it was uh, we, we played pretty darn good special teams um, they didn't hurt themselves in a lot of ways outside of the one fumble at the goal line um, they're playing a little uh, hurt uh, it was nice to see Bakhtiari back but as I'm watching the game, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I hope somebody else besides me is watching this and thinking the same thing that I've been saying for the last two or three years. You know, in the moment, that's not my takeaway. It's also not, is Devonta Adams, like you said, is that, you know, that wasn't my first thought either. For me, um, it was, I mean, it's, I, I truly was looking at it as, okay, this is a team that is still building its own identity, knowing that it's a run-first team. So, I, you know, that kind of was in the back of the mind. But it was a team that is really trying to find its chemistry with its quarterback, its young receivers, its new receivers, because really Lazard and Tunyon are the only ones that have – oh, and Cobb. I, forget, I always forget about Cobb mm-hmm. in this conversation. But, but he, he was sick during the game, um, I guess. Lazard, so. Tunyon – uh, where the only ones really have, and Cobb, the only ones that have that experience with Aaron Rodgers and Tunyon's experience, although he's been here for some time, have been rather limited due to injury, due to uh, just the, the status that he was at for a majority of his career where he was like the fifth or sixth tight end. He was a game day or would have been a, like a game day call-up equivalent until 2020, I think, 2019, something like that. And even then... Um, you know, we, we still know what he is. So in that respect, you know, it's like I said, it's a team trying to find its identity, trying to find its passing game that you know is going to come because you have Aaron Rodgers in some capacity. You know that he's going to still get his numbers. You know that's going to be largely okay. Um, that was my first takeaway from the offense. Second takeaway was just kind of acknowledging where things were at. You know, you're... You're in a hot weather game with two linemen who are basically made. I mean, Elton Jenkins was back the previous week, but you had 
David Bakhtiar making his, let's be real, his real debut for the first time in basically two years, except for 27 snaps against Detroit. You have Elton Jenkins on his second week back, and it's like 100 degrees. Your offense, your run game got kind of stomped out, especially when you lose your starting center to injury in the second half. And you still really haven't found that passing identity to kind of open up the field for the run game to work. So I think, Justin, I think your take is right. I think you're right in that sense that they are going to be a defensive power that's going to power football, power run, that's going to be having one or two very decent receivers that can spread the ball around when you need to, pick you up a first down when you need to. Um, I was very, very, very impressed with the play calling early in the game. Specifically, I love the fact that we brought back the slant route. You know, we talked about it ad nauseum um, under the Mike McCarthy era towards the end of his run where whatever happened to that quick slant that Brett Favre had. And we've seen it kind of come back. We've seen the quick outs. We've seen even that RPO style. Um, Rodgers makes the call at the line of scrimmage. So that's been very encouraging as well uh, to kind of see that coming back. So really, you know, the I think this is a team that can still figure it out. I don't think they're as flawed as they, you know, they're, I think they're growing. I don't think they're flawed. I think they're growing. I think they have a lot to learn, but I think they're growing. I don't think they're necessarily flawed. And I thought Romeo Dobbs looked very good on Sunday. I, I tell mean, you, he had eight. He had eight catches he on eight, eight of targets. his targets. Yeah, he was eight for eight. And then got his first touchdown. I would have loved to see Christian Watson in that game. That's the one, you know, it's, you got to be available. You got to, you know, you can only play who's ready to play. But that would have been a great sight to see um, in that game. I think that would have been a big difference maker mm-hmm. for their offense. For a guy to take the top off the defense. Because I think that's what they're lacking. You saw kind of when it fell apart in the second half. You saw coverage sacks. You saw um, just routes not working out because you don't have... I mean, Dobbs is a hell of an athlete. He is fast. We saw his speed. But he's not that next-level speed like a Watson would have been or Devontae was at times. Or even, you know, you look at some of these guys that could be out there that they, you know... They bring in a guy, I think, for a workout. Uh, I'm going to have to remember his name. He used to play for the Panthers very briefly um, with a 4-4 speed. And so there's there's doors that are open. I think there's going to be learning yet. I don't think they're flawed. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. Put it in the win column. And truthfully, if, I mean, let's be honest here. That is a game that aside from, I mean, Justin, you did end up picking the Packers to cover, and you picked them out right. But I don't think, I think if I looked back at our predictions for the season, I don't think any of us had them winning that game. No, I don't think so. So that's, you stole one, essentially. You know. I you, did. Let's check. I'm, oh, you're going to go back back in the I'm pad. I'm going to go back to the pad a couple weeks ago when we did our initial picks for the season and see what Justin had. And actually, I think Sean threw them away. That is not cool. Huh? Secretary. Ah, maybe they're around here somewhere. Oh, they're over there. Sean's getting it. I'm right. I told you. I told you. Packers are going to beat them. You said that for your prediction for the week. 
Let's see. And for the year. All right, Sean, what do you got here? All right. They're here to, I think it's this one. No, I think, no. I think I had their first losses, the Bills. Oh, I don't think we got anything here, Chachki. Oh, here it is. Oh, oh, it was in the pad. It was in the pad. You blame Shauna, and it was and it was, was you. It was me. Yeah, Justin actually did have the win here. Huh. I'll be a son of a bitch. You're the only one? Yeah. I'll take it back. But Score one for the good guys. <laughs> score one for the coach. I wouldn't say the good guys, but score one for the coach. He remembered the game plan that he had set up. But, and the Bills are the first team that I think I had them losing to. I'd have to double check. on I didn't write down the opponents. I just wrote down what weeks they are. So if you remember what week they play the Bills, I will give you a more firm answer on that. But Week, week eight or something like that. Uh, yeah, you got them losing week eight. So, <laughs> All right. Another, po another, another point for the coach. <laughs> I should get like three points for that. Yeah, we're not doing that, but I like the effort. I like the hustle. <laughs> All right. All right. So, <laughs> anyway, so those are kind of the media takeaways. I, I want to ask, did either one of you guys see uh, Mason's breakdowns for us this week yet? I have not watched them yet. Justin? I have been crazy busy. I have not watched them yet. So... As always, thanks to Mason for doing his the four plays of Sprangs. Uh, check them out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, we have them all there. TikTok, you don't have to kind of search for them individually because they only have three-minute videos you can allow. So instead of having them all together, we separate them out play by play by play by play. But excellent breakdown from him. So shout out to Mason. Um, kind of one thing taking away is, you know, from this week's just kind of looking at the offense. The defense... I don't think there's anything else that we can add to that that hasn't been said by other correspondents out there. And I know that we're kind of focusing on the offense here. Um, you know, really kind of just looking at, again, the kind of the route concepts that they're running. And again, you know, I know we kind of touched on this just a few moments ago, but one thing Mason pointed out has been in his first play of the week was the Aaron Rodgers interception. And... Who knows if it was a uh, Tunyon didn't finish the route that he was supposed to, or he Rogers threw it too early. So is there some sort of miscommunication? I'm you know not gonna say which one it was, but all in all, like I said, I think this you know kind of the the, the breakdown points to that same kind of takeaway that they are going to grow and they're still learning yet how to operate and the defense as we kind of expected uh was that driving force in this week's game and i think you know they have very good opportunity again here this week with the patriots coming up and that's where we're going to transition here uh with the patriots coming up uh green bay opens that game as a 10 point favorite against new england returning home um obviously we don't know about the stats of mac jones quite yet it looked it looked pretty it didn't look Super bad, but it looked enough that he could miss this week from what I've seen. So, still having to see on the status of him yet. Um, but all in all, uh, kind of looking ahead to this week's game, Justin, what are you thinking here as our resident head coach of what's going to be the strategy to beat the New England Patriots? 
Uh, who is their backup quarterback? It's a good question. Just, just jokingly, but also almost kind of seriously. I almost think it's Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. I, I, that was the first <laughs> thing that popped into my head too. I think it is Hoyer. Good for him in that sense, you know. I, there is no reason he's still in the league, but if that's the case, good for him. Son of a bitch. It is. Yeah. Brian Hoyer. Yeah, see, I would not uh I would yeah. not underestimate Brian Hoyer. In, I would. He sucks. And what, <laughs> what, what it's going to take to beat a team that quite frankly hasn't put up a lot of points in in his three games um offensively. Um so it, this this game quite frankly could be another 21 to 10 kind of game in in my estimation um in, in which I see the Packers coming out on top. You know, I'm not going to give away my pick right this moment. Yeah, because you're chicken shit. No, because we're going to do them <laughs> formally speaking here in a little bit, Justin. But I'm not some it's a tease, Justin. Yeah. So maybe I'm just fooling you, and now I've got you second-guessing. But what I would say is I think you are onto something here. Is I don't, I don't know if I you know, trust the Packers to score enough points to cover that 10, but I definitely trust the defense to keep the, the deficit where it will be. So ultimately, just a, a little spoiler, I do think the Packers win, but we'll get my official pick here in a little bit. But um, kind of looking ahead at the game, you know, I don't necessarily think, you know, we're kind of going into week four. We're a week out from the London game. I don't think that's, you know, necessarily like a trap game with that on the mind. But I think we're kind of at a really odd spot um, for this game to be. And I would, you know, obviously I want to see what the injury report is going to be on the Packers side. Um, you know, what's Jair looking like? What's Bakhtiari looking like? Is How's his recovery going to be? We're only two days out, so we don't really, you know, quite know how he's going to fare after having played probably about half a game. I know he was switching out series. So I don't know if he played, if it was the true one for one, but let's call it a half a game. So I'm, I'm really curious on how that turns around. Um, and really the Watson injury too. I think that's going to be an interesting, you know, do you have that speed guy or do you still look at bringing another guy in who probably wouldn't play this week and you know with them going to London maybe not even next week but by then you're into week six and you're kind of looking at okay you know you're getting close to the trade deadline are you going to go get a guy like what's what's your move at wide receiver especially if you're missing Sammy Watkins and you really you know you're one receiver away from being in some real depth issues with the program too so uh, with that I know Sean and I had talked about this um off air, I think pre-production, either after last week's episode or post-production after last week's, or sometime in between. Um, any guys out there, Justin, that you think the Packers should bring in or take a look at as bringing in immediately? Uh, before Absolutely. the, I'll say before the deadline. Well, I think you have to spin the wheels on Odell. Um, see where he's at, just for. I mean, he's 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 
I mean, he's a great wide receiver. I don't know that you spin the wheels on Will Fuller. There's not a lot to like there um, anywhere else. Um, maybe some offensive line depth. But if we're talking just receiver right now. Just oh, because that's, that's the headline position right now. You know, the offense only scores 14 points this week, almost loses, kind of fizzled out. I would say the only one that for for um, the longer term of the season would be Odell. Interesting. Sean, uh, I think I I think I told you about this this guy, and I think he had the name's Kenny Kenny Galladay, and I think he hasn't done much for the Giants right at the moment, and he's owed a lot of money. I'm pretty sure. And I feel like Green Bay could take him and make him to what he was in Detroit. Detroit, Detroit, right? Yep. I feel like that's a name that could go, and I think you could a late-round pick would get him and just maybe turn his career, not turn his career around, but turn his future around. Not bad. I don't know. Trying to find his his uh, contract figure. So, Kenny Galladay uh, is obviously, as we mentioned here, under contract with the Giants. He has two, no, three seasons left. No, this is a. Was like crazy, like seventy-two million over four seasons. He got in a four-year, seventy-two million-dollar deal um, from the Giants. His base salary this year is $13 million. Cap hit a 21.5 or 0.15, excuse me, um, after incentives and whatnot. Um, he does have a potential out after 2023, going into the 2024 season. See, to me, what, when you're talking about guys like that, and you're talking, I mean, uh, so, some of the popular names are. Uh, a Nelson Aguilar and uh, a Robbie Anderson. I think at one time, Sean, you talked about Deontay Johnson, um, which his contract situation is a little bit different than these other couple guys that have been mentioned. If you're talking about those guys, to me, I'm not trading capital. I'm not taking on uh, $13 million contract when realistically I could go out there and sign a Will Fuller for the rest of this year for basically peanuts in, in an incentive-laden contract. I, I could pay him a base salary of $2.5 million and, and make it as much as $5 million with incentives. You know, instead of paying a guy like Kenny Galladay $13 million or whatever's left on the rest of this year and then trading capital that will, even if it is the seventh round pick there, you know, we say it every year, there there are guys that uh, that matter um, that make the, I, I think the Packers had a seventh round pick that made the, the initial 53 man roster this year and that uh, defensive line guy out of Miami uh, so me, I would, I would just go with signing Wilson to play the contract. That's fair. I, I'm, 
I'm not sure which route I would go. I, you know, and I, I know for this conversation's sake, you know, I kind of probably agree with Justin. I don't think there's really a must bring in. I think you can kind of get away with developing and seeing where these guys go. And then if it comes down to it, you know, no one's banging down the door to get Will Fuller right now or um, OBJ for that matter because we still don't know. You know, he tore his ACL in February. You know, we're only seven months out or nine months. Yeah, seven months out from that. Uh, in the Super Bowl. So, you know, still as to what his recovery time is going to be. So, and really we're not still, you know, yes, we have Sammy Watkins out for three more weeks. But, you know, as you kind of you look to get him back, you know, the IR move was probably more of a formality. You probably think he's a two-week out, get an extra roster spot, you know, what have you, with that four-week comeback. Um, so, I think, you know, I think they – are pretty confident in the guys that are in the room right now. But for that sake, I probably would be more on the side of Justin. Um, just because I didn't really realize what Kenny Galladay's contract right. was right. until uh, we just looked at it now. And even uh, Deontay Johnson's contract, he's under contract for three more years. So, I, um, and I think... It, it, how cra- his contract's not crazy, though. No, his contract is very doable, by all means. He is under contract through 2024. Uh, his cap hit for this season is 7.6 mil. Uh, next year, it's 16.3. I thought it was way crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. I Again, I still wouldn't do that. Like uh, Next year is 16.3. The year after that's 15.8. You also do have a potential out after this season. Um, where it'd be a nine, oh shit, a nineteen million dollar dead cap hit. <laughs> but that's instead of paying them sixteen and fifteen. So I think I think the the thing that we need to think about too is everybody's gotta be healthy all at one time in order for us to see what we have. Right. I don't I don't think we've had that yet. We have not, other than so, we saw a gl- a brief glimpse of it, I think, yeah. last week against the Bears. Two weeks ago, I should say, at this point. But you saw a brief glimpse of it, and really that. I mean, the passing game wasn't the issue against the Bears. No, no. I mean, the offense, I mean, really, really wasn't the issue in that game, aside from the third quarter. Yep. But all in all, um, I feel pretty confident, you know, as we go into this week. I think I said, I think this is a win. We'll get to the picks here in a second. But... Any other kind of notes you want you guys want to touch on before for either last week's game, this coming week's game, either one of you? It was nice to see Bakhtiari out there. Um, he, he played well when, when he was on the field. And uh, Ingabare uh, on the outside there played really well on defensively, I thought, Eric. I'd have to agree. Both uh, On both sides of that, I mean, really – you know, the the side of things with Bakhtiari, you know, you see him on the ground and you're nervous. You know, he's under, I think he was under a pileup at one point and you're sitting there like, oh shit, like, is he okay? Like, you're sitting there with, like, he's made of glass and you're waiting with bated breath, but, um, you know, he, all in all, he played very well. I, you know, I'd have to see what, you know, if he had a PFF grade of how well he actually played in that time. And I'd be really curious on, you know, I'd maybe have to look to see if they have it, but, as to compare to what Yash Nijman mm-hmm. graded out as, you know, just to see, you know, when you can kind of compare when they're basically going every other series, 
what that grade comes out to. And I'm going to take a look at that here as well, see if that's out or not. Um, and it isn't that I can see. But I think that'd be the most interesting thing I'd be looking at as to the difference, like how much of a difference, I mean, we know he makes a difference, but how much of a difference yeah. in one single game does he make? Bakhtiari? Versus Yash Nijman. Because I'm still, oh, I'm still thinking where if you got Bakhtiari healthy, do you move Elton Jenkins back to that left guard spot? And do you put Yash Nyman at the right tackle? I know we we maybe have hit on it a couple weeks ago or whatever when this whole thing started, but now that we got Bakhtiari, at least he's playing and on the field, do we do that? I don't know. All right, so... Well, here's Newman did not... He has not graded out well. no. I think he was what ninety five out of some. Yeah, it, it was great. It was, it was some really high number. So I'm still looking to see if I can find the Ash Nijman numbers. What I can say um, is Bakhtiari did rate out as the highest graded pass blocker for the Packers this week, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, he played thirty four snaps out of sixty one. And received a pass blocking grade of 78.7, which was the highest of any Packers offensive lineman in week three. His run blocking grade was below average and it dropped his overall grade to 64.0. Um, with that said, like I said, I'm still trying to see if I can find overall numbers here, but that's kind of the, the early premonition. Now, uh, Peter Bukowski did tweet out that David Bakhtiari is currently 14th in PFF's pass block grade among. Offensive tackles with the least as many pass blocking snaps of 17. Um, and Yash Nijman's 20th in that same group. And those two are the highest in the division in the NFC North. Perfect. Um, it looks like from Peter Bukowski. Um, trying to see if I can find the numbers here so for true pass set grades for the season Josh Nijman actually has the advantage which is based on three games as opposed to one uh Josh Nijman is actually the highest rated packer at 76.3 Myers at 76 or 75.6 Runyon 70.7 Bakhtiari 65 Elton Jenkins 56 Royce Newman 40.6 and Jake Hansen has a zero grade <laughs> That is not great. Jake Hansen is worst. He's so, bad. Just a couple things, you know, looking at here. Um, like I said, I, I wish I could find the overall metrics of or the total metrics, but uh, I would agree very glad to see him back in the swing of things. Mm -hmm. And also just looking forward to uh, seeing what this whole group can do and to answer your question, Sean, I really do think uh, that's an interesting conversation. I don't know if I have a... I think that probably would be a route to go is to move him back to guard, Elton Jenkins back to guard, but to be determined. Exactly. When Once everybody gets Ain't completely no healthy. <laughs> Ain't 
ain't no money in playing guard. You can't convince me to go back to playing guard. I can make millions and millions more playing that right tackle spot. Yeah, That's... but he, he but he's already under contract, so isn't he? Right? He's yeah, coming up, isn't he? Next, I think he's this season. Up. Oh, he is coming up this season. I think he's up after this season. So, in that capacity, Justin's right. True, but true <laughs> for for this team for this year. Yeah, but didn't, might be right. didn't um, who am I thinking of? Quentin Nelson get get a big contract from the Colts, and he's a guard, so. But you can't really put Elton Jenkins and Quentin Nelson in. The, I mean, they're they're probably. You can definitely put them in the same conversation. You, you, you could put them in the same conversation. They're. Uh, yeah. I would say Elton Jenkins is top ten guard. Yeah. But he's not near Quentin Nelson. Fair enough. Yeah, four years, $80 million for Quentin Nelson. Yeah. So That's a lot, a lot of money to pay for a guard. All right, so the time that everybody waited for. Our picks for the week. We still have to get Ramsey's picks. Shauna's picks are in. Um, we'll kind of go through the standings here. For this season, I'm in last. Just like in the <laughs> fantasy football league. At nine and sixteen, not a great week for me. The jinx is real. Hey, I don't think it's a jinx. It just didn't have a great week. Um, Justin is in second at thirteen and seventeen. Ramsey is at fourteen and eleven. Shauna is twelve and twelve, and Sean, you're at twelve and thirteen. So we have actually eighteen games to go through this week. Oh, we're going through them all again. Yep, we're going through the entire NFL slate. And two college games. You don't want me to do it or you got it? I got her. So we start off Thursday night football. Oh, you cheated. You, you had to write, write it all down to begin. Yeah. <laughs> Secretary Sean is on it. Secretary Sean is on it. I really appreciate that. <laughs> trying to see if she So he it. studied. I did not study. I, I had... You studied. All I have here is the spreads and the opponents. Yeah. So... We start off Thursday night football. Stuttering. Thursday night football, Justin. Dolphins at Bengals. The Bengals are a four-point favorite in that one. What? I. The Bengals are four-point favorites? Right. Mm. I'm going to go Dolphins. Yeah, me too. I'm going Dolphins. I don't even think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs this year. They are so ugly right now. Really? I am going to take the Dolphins. All right. Our London game, 8.30 kickoff Sunday morning here local. We've got the Vikings at the Saints, technically. Uh, Vikings are a two and a half point favorite. Shauna is going with, Shauna actually went with the Bengals and she's going with the Vikings in this one. Two and a half points. Give me the Saints. Sean? Vikings. I'm also going Vikings. I think they're going to have... Even though they should have lost to Detroit this week, they really should have, but... I'd agree. Just kind of some shady calls at the end of that game. But... Next game, Browns at Atlanta. Browns are a one and a half point favorite. Shauna has the Browns. I will go first. 
Actually, no, Sean, you go first on this one. We're going to rotate here. Let's go Browns. Browns. Because I'm also going Browns in this one. Falcons. The magic of Mariota is coming to life. They didn't finish it off, but it's coming around. I'm telling you, and this is going to be the start. All right. Washington Commanders at Dallas. Dallas opens up as a three-point favorite. Shauna went Dallas. I'm also going Dallas. Justin? Give me the Commanders. Sean? Cowboys. The Carson Commanders. Got to go Cooper Rush. He's been good as of late. He's, he's, he's been solid. That's all they need. And Mike McCarthy is still incompetent. I watched Monday Night Football last night. I am amazed. I just I don't get how he's a head football coach in this league. Did you see, did you see the thing Jerry Jones said too? No, I did not. About how he wants a quarterback controversy between Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. They're basically the same. <laughs> Honest to God, they are good enough. Don't help Ramsey with his argument. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I think Zeke's washed. I think so too. Which, I didn't realize this is only his sixth year in the NFL, but he's got a lot of miles on those tires. And he's a lot of money. Yeah. Zeke. Does he, did he miss, like, almost a whole season? Well, look at how much they ran him, though, at Ohio State. Yeah. And Not what really surprises I... me, and I was talking to one of my friends about this last night, what really surprises me is how Mike McCarthy keeps going to the Tony Pollard well which is pretty much the exact opposite of what he did in Green Bay when he went with Jamal Williams over Aaron Jones. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he learned his lesson or if Zeke's that bad off or if Mike McCarthy's just stupid. I, I don't know which one it is or if it's a combination of two or three. I think they don't have the offensive line that they've been used to having. For sure. I think, I, was, I said this last night, I'm like, you know, when Zeke first came in the league and Dak first came in the league, I think I could have got a thousand line yards behind that right, line. Right. That was an amazing offensive line. And they definitely have mm. fallen off, but I I gotta say, and I I, I kind of want to be wrong because I like I do enjoy as much as I hate the Cowboys as a whole. I haven't watched enjoyed watching a good running back like Zeke. Not necessarily Zeke in particular, but just how fast he fell off is astonishing to me. And I, like I said, I, I think he's washed. The big contract. The big contract. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Next game here. We've got Seahawks at Lions. Lions are a four and a half point favorite. Sean is going with the Lions. Justin, you first. Lions. Sean? Detroit. I'm also going Lions. I think Jamal Williams with DeAndre Swift. Four is and gonna... a half points? Yeah. Four and a half over the Seahawks. I'm taking the Seahawks. To cover four and a half. I think it's a field goal game. I think Jamal Williams is going to have a big big day Sunday. What uh, happened to DeAndre Swift? Shoulder sprain or ankle sprain? I don't remember which one it is. But they're, they're going to give him... I think they were talking about giving him out or till the bye week. Um, Christ. Rest or whatever. However you want to say it. What a Shoulder, ankle, both. <laughs> Yikes. All right, Titans. Here's another surprising spread, but at the same time, it's really not that surprising. Titans at Colts. The Colts are a three-point favorite. 
Gotta go to the Titans. The Colts have looked horrible. All right. I am going to go... I think I'm going to go Colts in this one, actually. Really? Colts. And Shauna also went with the Titans. All right. Next game's here. We've got... Bears at Giants. The Giants open up as a three-point favorite. I'm going to go Bears in this one. I agree with you. I think the bear. I think the Bears are going to come on this one finally. Giants. Shauna also went Giants. Jaguars at Eagles. Six and a half for the Eagles. Justin, you're first. Six and a half for the Eagles. Yeah, I'll take the Eagles. Ain't nobody stopping Jalen Hurts right now. Sean. You know what? I'm gonna go, let's go the Jaguars. I think I think this is a trap game for the Eagles. Jaguars have been hot the last two weeks. They put up 38 against the Chargers this week, and 24 the week before against the Colts. Um, I'll go Jaguars. Yeah. This I think was one of the toughest games to pick this week. I'm also going with the Jags to cover that. I think they are much improved. I don't think they're great. They played a crappy division. And I think they kind of, I think like Sean said, I think it's a little bit of a trap game for the Eagles who might be kind of seeing their reputation and kind of getting high on themselves. And it's Doug Peterson's return to Philly, isn't it? Yeah, the Doug Peterson revenge game. Give me the Jags. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Big bulls. Just, uh, Shauna also went with the Eagles on you with you, Justin. Uh, Jets at Steelers. Steelers are a three and a half point favorite. Shauna's going with the Steelers. Sean, you're up. Jets. J E D S. Jets. 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 I think the Steelers cover. No, I, I think he's got another one or two weeks yet before he comes back. Then give me the Jets. Joe Flacco show. Joe Flacco's yeah. return to Pittsburgh, former AFC North <laughs> opponent. All right. Big show, Joe. In one of the probably most watched games of the weekend, we've got Bills at Ravens. Bills are a three-point favorite in that game. Two high-power offenses. A very good defensive front for the Bills. Ravens kind of find that identity to themselves too. Big win for them this last week. In Baltimore. Shauna's going Bills. Think I'm up first? Yeah, I think you are. I think the Bills bounce back. I think they they kind of bought into themselves last week. They got punked by the Dolphins. Even with the butt punt. I think that defense hammers down on uh on Lamar Jackson. Give me the Bills. Justin. Bills. Give me the Ravens. I think the the Bills might struggle containing Lamar. Lamar had a great week this last week, which is the only reason Justin beat me in fantasy football, just so you know. <laughs> which was awesome, by the way. <laughs> I, I was looking... 
during the game and Lamar only had like 12 points. And all of a sudden I looked at the end of the game and he had 40. I'm like, huh, here we go again. <laughs> Felt like Eric. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Probably the ugliest game of the weekend. And that's saying something, but ugliest game of the weekend by my estimation. Chargers at Texans. Chargers are a five-point favorite. Justin, you're first. Chargers, Texans, give me Chargers. Five points? Five points. Put, give me a hundred on the Chargers. Really? They they struggled this last week against Jacksonville. They looked awful they against looked Jacksonville. They looked horrible. My next? Yeah, you're next. I think you got to go Chargers. I don't know how you, I I can't pick Houston. I don't know. I'm gonna pick Houston to cover. If this if this was like a money line, just outright pick, I'd probably go Chargers. I think Houston's gonna cover. I think they're just defensively good enough, especially with Justin Her- Herbert playing limited on those broken ribs. I think Texans cover. All right, Cardinals at Panthers. The Panthers are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Sean's going with the Panthers. Justin, you're up. I'm going with the Cardinals. Yeah, how are how are the Panthers favorited in this game? Because the Cardinals can't score outside the fourth quarter. They lost 20-12 this the, last week. The Panthers can't score, period. It's true. I'm going Cardinals also. Wait, wait, wait. Is it double XP weekend for Call of Duty? Because <laughs> I've seen something about no, that. No, it's for not Ky- out yet. It's not I, out yet. I've seen something about that for Call- for Kyler Murray. Not out yet. It comes out at the end of the month of October. Oh, okay. So we're still good. Go Cardinals. <laughs> See, I, I don't know on this one. This one, I have watched the Cardinals just be absolutely incompetent in the first half of the last two weeks. They're traveling to the East Coast. That game, I don't think, should be affected by Hurricane. Because I no. think they're far north, uh, far enough north. I'm going to begrudgingly pick the Cardinals. I don't want to. Because I don't think they're any good right now either. But I'm going to pick the Cardinals as well. We'll put it, put it on the record that you wanted to pick the Panthers. Sure. <laughs> All right. Broncos Raiders. This might be the ugliest game of the week. Yes. The Bronc or the Raiders are a two and a half point favorite. Shauna's going Broncos. Sean, are you up first in this one or am I up first? Sure, I can go first. No, Justin's up. I just or Justin's up yeah, first. Yeah, Justin's up first. Okay. Give me the Raiders. Sean? The Raiders are favorited? Two and a half points, favorite. Give me Denver. I am also going to go with the Raiders just because I don't think Denver can score. Yeah, but everybody scored on the Raiders. True. <laughs> but Denver can't score Period. against Seattle. Or- let alone... 
anybody else. That might be the ugliest game this weekend. Did, did you see the Manning cast about the Seahawks and um? I watched Broncos part of game? it. I watched part or of it. Just just the last minute. No, I didn't. They so they had Peyton Manning and Eli on it, and I just I seen a video of it today, and Peyton Manning called a timeout sixty two times in that forty seconds of the play clock. Oh God! Because he was calling a timeout as soon as soon as they. They got, I don't know if they got the first down or whatever they got, where they ran it, or they waited 35 seconds and then finally called the timeout with 20 seconds left. So i got to ask Justin while we're kind of talking about this. In terms of who's washed or who isn't it, do you think this is more of a, a situation where Russell Wilson is washed or Nathaniel Hackett's just not a good off, or head coach? Hmm. Or is it a combination of both? I, I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to be a good coach. I also don't think that Russell... I, I think it's just... I don't think any of those things. I think it's just a product of being together and new and um, different aspects of of each other's past are coming together and, and they're figuring it out I I don't think any of the, I don't think Russell Wilson is washed um, he's probably certainly on the downside of his career but washed no Nathaniel Hackett's going to be a good head coach alright I'll mark that down for later for the vault <laughs> but um, alright next game Patriots, Packers, Packers at 10-point favorite. Sean is going Packers. I think I'm up first on this one. I think the Patriots cover. I'm taking Packers outright, but I think the Patriots cover. I'm taking Patriots to cover. 10 points is outrageous. Fortuna can't score. I think the Packers. I think the Packers are going to more than 10. Win by more than 10. I want you to be right. I, I really I do. do. I do too. But I also think I'm wrong. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a tough one. Like I said, I I firmly like that this game. If this was like a money line, outright pick, this would be Packers. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like I Justin said though, I don't know if they score enough to have a ten point margin. I mean, this. I mean, this very realistically could be like a twenty to ten game, in which case they cover. But push. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, Chiefs, Bucks. Chiefs are a two point favorite. That game, uh, Sunday night football. Obviously, you know, T's and P's to those in, in potential hurricane area. I hope everyone ends up safe and all that. Uh, don't it, know if this game's going to be moved at all. It's supposed to be in Tampa, though? <laughs> yes, sir. So, Chiefs open up as a two point favorite. Uh, Justin, you're first. Give me the Chiefs. Sean also went Chiefs. Sean? Mike Evans back. Chris Godwin's back. I think I got to go over the box. Chiefs got trounced by the Colts who can't do a damn thing offensively. Right. I think they have a lot of growing pains. I think the Buccaneers have a lot of growing pains, but I think the Buccaneers have more proven firepower right now so I'm going to go with the Bucks as well 
And then Monday Night Football, Rams, 49ers. 49ers open up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Rams. I'm thinking – Sean, you're first. I'm sorry. Rams. I'm also going Rams. Rams. Shauna went Niners. A game very near and dear to me as I will be attending, as will Ramsey and Shauna, and Shauna's dad, Tom. Illinois at Wisconsin. Saturday morning kickoff at Camp Randall. Badgers a seven-point favorite. Shauna's taking Wisco. I'm taking Wisco. Justin? Hmm. <laughs> Give me Illinois. Illinois. Are you taking them outright, or are you taking them just to cover the seven? I'll take Wisconsin outright, but I'll take Illinois to cover the seven. Sean? I'll go Wisconsin. All right. And last game of the week, just because I want to throw it out there, Rutgers, who is 3-1 against Ohio State in Columbus. The Buckeyes are a 40.5 favorite. <laughs> Sean is taking the Buckeyes to cover. To cover? Sean? 40? No. No, Justin. Justin's first. My bad. (laughs) Give me Rutgers. I'll I'll take I'll take the bait. Give me Rutgers to cover 40. Sean? I'll take Ohio State to cover it. (laughs) I think they they look twice twice the team as Wisconsin looked on, on Saturday, last Saturday, so and I'm not buying Rutgers. I just no. a three and one. No, give me the Buckeyes as well, just cause. All right, closing time, boys. That's all the games we're gonna pick this week. Closing time, dive bar of the week. Hopefully, last week it was being unsponsored, but we're still working on that. But closing time, Justin, dive bar of the week. I've I've got to pick one. Do the one that you were I'm at the, on Friday. I'm the picker of dive bars now or what you're the picker of dive bar for this week because you went to one okay mine is a little dive bar that me and my wife went and uh participated at little birmingham's up in uh door county just north of sturgeon bay on county p uh, just a real classic old um, dive bar has the wooden uh, glass front doors to the coolers. Uh, a couple little old ladies that were bartending. Um, sandwich. I got I got a cheeseburger and it came with like actual loafed bread um, that you would get just shitty loafed bread at the grocery store. Um, but the burger was phenomenal. Um, my wife's food was phenomenal, so uh, we went and had lunch there, and we had a great little time. Birmingham's on County P, off of County P, in Door County, north of Sturgeon Bay. All right, so Birmingham's Bar and Cottages is technically actually Bayshore Drive in Sturgeon Bay, but I, I know it gets yeah. kind of interchangeable up there on that road, but... Um, with that, they are a four and a half star review out of 301 reviews on Google. Uh, they do have a website. They're open, not open today. They open on Wednesday through, uh, they close at eight 30. So got to get there early and let's see some of the food as Justin mentioned, um, 
can change the menu or you can view the menu. Pretty basic, you know, fries, burgers, hot ham and cheese, uh, chicken breast, daily specials, as most places do. Uh, some of those reviews here, we're going to go through just a couple of them. Um, we look at one from a year ago. Birmingham's has been a family tradition my entire life. It wouldn't be a trip to Door County without stopping in. If you're looking for great people, excellent food, and an out-of-this-world nightly sunset down by the bay, look no further. Five stars from Brandon on Birmingham's. Uh, a couple other reviews here. Like I said, four and a half stars. Uh, this one coming from Lisa. She said, and it just went away. That's great. Great content. Um... But yeah, I mean, just very kind of across the board. Place is a hidden treasure. Great food at incredible price. Bar that anyone can feel comfortable at. Uh, anybody can create drinks, not just a shot and a beer. Uh, they have t-shirts available if you're looking for that route. Uh, food is great. Very high reviews from everyone here. Another different Lisa. Favorite place for a laid-back Saturday lunch and cocktail. Burgers on bread are delicious. Cheese curds are a must, and chili is quite good as well. So Birmingham's and Sturgeon Bay are Wisconsin Dive Bar of the Week. And with that, just one last thing to kind of finish off the episode here. And that is what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. I'll go first on this one, as I had mentioned just now. Besides the Brewers, you know, obviously I want to see them hopefully get towards that playoff position. Taking the Badger game. Saturdays at Camp Randall cannot be beat. Uh, heading down there with Tom and Ramsey and Shauna. Should be a great weekend. Looking forward to it. Go Bucky. Let's go. Sean? Uh, I'm going to go Gambler's Hockey. Carolyn got tickets for us to go Friday night. I think it's one of the first games this year. And just exciting. I, I always love going to Gambler games. New head coach, new roster. Very promising preseason and early season uh, results for them. According to our friend Josh, I believe they beat the reigning champs early on here and have a better record than them so gamblers and, hockey and it's two dollar bud night cannot beat that can't beat that uh, justin so i'm not really rooting for this so i'm not gonna root for i'm not gonna give you a root for um but i'm gonna give you a fitting like a fitting for how fitting would it be for illinois and brett bielema to kind of put the Badger faithful, the Badger administration over the top and beat Wisconsin and that being the 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 nail in the coffin for Paul Christ. I want that to happen, yeah. just not against Brett Bielema, not this weekend. I am... One of the reasons I picked this game to go to is because I want to boo Brett Bielema in person very loudly, very proudly. I'm telling you. But if that was you. the end result, if that were to occur, long run I would probably be okay with it, but I would not be okay with it on Saturday. Yeah, well, whatever. Well, before we end it here, Justin, just want to let you get an official route for you've got homecoming week this week yes uh we will run it back with wasaki uh who we had a great matchup with in our first game of the year uh wasaki uh in watching film 
uh, has definitely improved as a football team. Um, I'm excited for our guys. We have definitely improved as a football team um, and hope that we have another great matchup and hope that the outcome is uh, somewhat the same, uh, hopefully a little less dramatic uh, for us. But um, I hope uh, we have a great, uh, happy and safe homecoming week. Um, I'm also very proud of my wife who has uh, worked extremely hard in um, creating a Gillette area chamber of commerce, uh, which is brand new. Um, and they are putting on somewhat of a harvest days, harvest celebration um, and working in conjunction with the school uh, over this homecoming week to to kind of make the week a little different than it has been and, and mean a little more. So uh, a little root for my wife and, and hope that the, the weekend goes ex, as expected for her and, and that it's everything she wants it to be uh, and, and for our fans and, and we give them a game to, to really cheer for and it's youth night also, Eric. We're running out our little flag footballers out of the out of the tunnel at 6.30, right before the game. So get there early and get your popcorn. All right. Good stuff, Justin. Sean? I got that. Just going with you. All right. For Sean Ramsey, who's not here, Sean, who is here but did not participate in the episode, and Justin, who is virtual, I'm Biggie Eric Fisher signing off. This is episode 89 of the Rupert Wisconsin Show in the books. We're out. See ya. See ya. Salute.